This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Prime Spark, the podcast that brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. The second women's revolution is here, and it is time for us to fuel a spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Now, here is your host for Prime Spark, Sarah Hart. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all have our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Janine Vanderberg, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Janine leads Changing the Narrative, the nation's leading effort to change the way people think, talk, and act about aging and ageism through evidence-based strategies, strategic communications, and innovative public campaigns. She founded its Age-Friendly Workplace Initiative, which won a Metro Vision Award from Denver Regional Council of Governments to call attention to the business case for older workers and intergenerational teams. Janine chairs the Encore Network, a global coalition of leaders who champion the civic, social, and economic contributions of people 50 plus, and is a 2020-21 Encore Public Voices Fellow. She serves on the board of the Center of Workforce Inclusion Labs, which advances bold and innovative solutions to workforce challenges. Currently a resident of Colorado's North Fork Valley, she is a former member of the Denver Commission on Aging. She won the Mayor's Diversity and Inclusion Award for her advocacy of older adults and Colorado Center on Aging's 2022 Public Service Award. Welcome, Janine. I'm so happy you're here today. Sarah, I'm so happy to be here. I love what you are doing. And your mission is so aligned with ours. Yes, yes. Thank you. I I know it is, and I love that. So just to get started, Janine, tell me, do you experience getting older? And if so, what is that experience? And if not, why do you think it is that you don't? So I suppose we all experience getting older at every stage of our lives, right? Because if we are fortunate, um, each one of us will wake up uh, tomorrow a day older. And for each one of us, this is the oldest we've ever been and you know the youngest we'll ever be. So we're all headed in that direction. How I experience it, I've noticed more recently is this. I ask myself a lot when considering whether I should do something or not. 
if this were happening literally next Tuesday, would I still want to do it? Is it important to me? Is it important to when I think of, you know, what I want to get done in the rest of my lifespan? So mostly it is being more conscious about uh, thinking of what I let into my life. And I'm someone who uh, throughout my life has always been like, yes, let's do this. Yes, let's do this. Yes, let's do this. So I think that when I think about my experience of getting older, that's probably like the biggest. I, not that I've slowed down. I like to operate at a really fast pace, but I'm more thoughtful about what I'm running toward. Oh, that shiny or syndrome. I, um, I just, I have trouble with that myself. I mean, everything, oh, that, oh, let's do that. Oh, that's exciting. Let's go do that. Yeah, I know that. I know that well. So tell me about changing the narrative. I love it. I love what I've read on the website. You bet. So the idea of changing the narrative, and this is where I think it's so aligned, we're really trying to change perception about how people think of of all people as we get older, right? How do we think about aging? Um, we are trying to increase uh, awareness of ageism and to help people understand it's not just something that we individually experience. It's actually, it's a societal, it's a structural issue. And there really are collective solutions. And I know one of the things that I've often encountered um, among older women, someone who's been pushed out of employment is thinking it's something I did wrong, right? I didn't, I didn't put the right things on my resume or, or you know, I didn't dye my hair or I didn't do this, I didn't do that. And we don't, because, you know, the longer we live, the more we have internalized ageist messages for a really long time. And so we don't step back and say, you know, wait a minute, there's something going on in the world here. It's not just me. So changing the narrative is really out to change that. And we do it through. Uh, so when we say think, talk and act, uh, you know, our campaigns are geared towards increasing awareness of ageism, but also pushing people towards taking action about it. So whether it's, you know, public policy, one of the things that we're working on right now is eliminating graduation dates from uh, job applications. Now, and the reason that's important is um, a study was just released two weeks ago from an organization called Resume Builder. And basically, like almost half of hiring managers that they interviewed across the country said, yes, we do. Um, we are biased towards age when we're reviewing applications. And then they were telling us as individuals, and something you should probably do is leave your graduation date off. And Mike, and we like to take individual solutions and turn them into policy and say, well, why should any application have a graduation date? Because it's illegal to ask us our age, but it's not illegal to ask us our high school graduation date. So for any of the issues that we're working on, certainly as individuals, we can do things, but we really like to encourage people to think about how is this a systemic issue and what can we do? How can we come together as individuals uh, to do something to affect policy? I love that. Of course, I mean, you, you know, I would love that. I love it. Um, what occurs to me while you're saying that, Janine, I was on a call yesterday and I was talking about what I do. And one of the women said, I will fight getting older as long as I can. And I thought, it reminded me of once, I don't remember who said that being anti-aging is like being anti-breathing. I mean, the point is not to hate and resist and fight getting older. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I mean, that it's a, it's a, it's a silly activity. It's a silly way approach. It just, it's yeah. silly. But Sarah, think about why that happens. We are surrounded, right? By so many ageist messages that it's easy. I mean, you can't walk into any kind of store or go online without seeing something called anti-aging. I recently got um, onto Instagram at the instigation of some friends who were like, you need to be spreading, changing the narrative's message in a visual way on Instagram. I was like, okay, sure, I'll try it. And uh, what stunned me was the number of people who use anti-aging as a hashtag. So people are feeling what we ought to do is resist aging. Or And I'm like, no, what we need to re- um, resist is ageism among ourselves when we think that somehow it's bad to get older. It's a universal experience. We all do it. It's, it's, it's part of life. So resisting it, I think, like you said, it's like anti-breathing, but it's also like being anti-ourselves. It's, it, but I understand why it happens because we are so surrounded um, in media. Um, I'll tell you a brief story. So this um, weekend, because things are opening up and I've now been asked to speak again in person, as opposed to just doing um Zoom conferences, I was like, oh, I've got to, you know, I haven't bought anything new in three years. I've got to upgrade things a little bit so that I can go out and be on stage. And so I am looking at some catalogs that are come in, all from merchants from whom I have previously purchased stuff, right? So they know that they are sending catalogs to a 69-year-old woman. And here's what happens. I go through. There was not one picture in any of them of a woman over 40. And yes. most, there wasn't a picture of a woman over 30. So we're looking at this and I'm looking and I'm like, these are clothes that we wear at any age. They're clothes that I've bought, but I'm not buying if the catalog is basically they've erased me. They've made me invisible. So there's that sort. Um, and then there's the, uh, you know, we've uh, done an anti-ageist birthday card, but we get these messages reinforced constantly in birthday cards that aging is literally on uh, all downhill. One of my uh, favorite, I'll, I'll read this aloud, and I really mean least favorite. You know you're getting old when your boobs hang so low, you can have a mammogram and a pedicure at the same time. So our birthday card makers kind of think that this is funny, right? And But what we do, we've absorbed ageist messages. So we send these to each other. And so, of course, we develop this sort of culture where, you know, aging is something we have to resist because it's either going to be like this or there's the whole set that talk, uh, talk about cranky old women um, or there are the others that talk about forgetfulness and memory. They, they basically reinforce all of these stereotypes which then have, you know, implications of the culture. So, yeah. And that, and the uh, astounding thing to me is that we think they're funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not necessarily equating these things, but we wouldn't have racist cards anymore that we thought were funny. We wouldn't even as often as we used to have sexist cards that we think are funny, but ageism is still an open target. Right. So it was interesting, Sarah, I had the opportunity last summer to speak um, at the, to actually be the keynote speaker at the American Greeting Card um, Association's um, Industry Summit, right? So their annual, it was a virtual conference. 
And so I was talking about Aegis birthday cards. And, and so one, one of the things I realized is the birthday card makers, manufacturers were kind of like clueless about this. They were like, we didn't realize that that was a thing. So I realized that we have a lot more work to do to increase awareness of ageism. And then they said, um, and, and not they, the, the group, but there were people in the audience who said things like, well, people buy them. And I'm like, I know, but it, so to your point, if people were willing to buy a racist birthday card, would you make them? And of course that, you know, causes people to stop and think. And again, I think you're right. We're not equating the, the two isms. And I don't think that's a wise thing to do, but it, it, it is, it's harmful. And very often we do it among ourselves. It is mostly older people who send these to our older friends, right? And so what are we saying to our friends, right? Um, As opposed to celebrating. Um, So when we did our anti-ageist birthday card campaign, we uh, solicited artists to create cards that celebrate getting older. And three key themes emerge, which I think is just really smart. And one of them very aligned with, uh, to me, what you talk about in Prime Spark, it was like, you know, we gain experience, we gain insights, getting ultra is a good thing, right? We have things to offer. So there was that clump. The other was just pure celebration. Woohoo! we've gotten older. And then another, and this is my, it's become one of my favorite cards and one that I send to my friends all the time. It's this idea of next new adventures, right? Like life doesn't stop. And we all have the opportunity if to go ahead and choose new things and say, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to travel somewhere different. I'm going to meet a new friend. I'm going to start podcasting when I was, you know, a radio, uh, I, when I was on radio, uh, you know, for me, I'm going to learn how to, you know, workshop facilitator. I'm going to learn how to do this virtually, right? So we all have these opportunities and those are the messages that it changing the narrative we're trying to get out. Oh, I love it. I love it. As you know, I would, I love it. The, and I think I told you that uh, Prime Spark is just getting ready to launch a line of greeting cards that celebrate older women and more power to all of us. You know, Sarah, I can't wait. And I think as I told you during email, you let us know the minute and we will be broadcasting it everywhere. And the reason we will do this, and I'll tell you what I um, shared with the American Greeting Card Association audience. My goal is not to sell changing the nervous birthday cards. If we sell some fine, it helps support the movement. Um, my goal is to get birthday card makers to make yes. anti-age birthday cards and cards yes. that celebrate. So the more that we have, and we will be announcing soon an international collaboration, we will make sure your cards get on this international collaboration website. Yeah, uh, exactly the same thing for us. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I will become a millionaire on selling Prime Spark greeting cards. That's not know. the point. But at some <laughs> right. point, right? Some point somebody will be speaking at the American Greeting Card Association meeting or whatever it's called and talking about this. And people will say, well, we know all this. Why are they saying this? We've already made these changes. Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't there, that be lovely? there will be the day. It's, it's, it's not immediate, but there will be the day. I mean, I am convinced that um, as, as soon as marketers and companies realize the economic buying power right. of us and the bigger, bigger, bigger group of us that's coming, even if they don't like it, right. it's going to be good business. It's just smart business. Right. One of my favorite hashtags, older women are good for biz, right? 
Yes, that's wonderful. I love that. So you also work with um, the value of older people in the workforce. That is a hard sell. Right. Talk about what is the value of older, number one, what is the value of older people in the workforce? And Mm -hmm. what is the value of intergenerational workforce? Because I love both of those. Yeah, you bet. So uh, can I first tell you how this came about and why we decided to focus on it? When we started doing uh, workshops for Changing the Narrative in 2018, I was traveling all over. I did 42 in-person workshops that year in rural communities, suburban, urban, in Colorado, frontier, right? It didn't matter where I went. The minute we introduced ageism in the workplace, somebody would say that ageism thing you're talking about, it happened to me, it happened to my partner, it happened to my dad, it happened to my mom. So I was like, we can't just talk about ageism. We need to reframe the older worker to employers. So what we did was this, we gathered kind of a group of people who had been in corporate HR, in higher ed, in healthcare, just um, somebody from a tech startup, but they all had HR backgrounds. And I got them together in a room and we kind of storyboarded and we said, what are the common myths and stereotypes about older workers? And so, you know, all of them, right? So we got them all around the room and then we researched, what do the facts actually show? What does the research actually show? And so we created the business case, but here are the elements. The business case is basically this, and I call it the ABCs. So A is first looking at what are attributes that older workers have? And this is all over. All I have to do is read your website, but I'll tell you, and your research is very much aligned with what the web, uh, what the research shows that, um, you know, we have developed experience and insights. There's something called pattern recognition where, and I call it the kind of thing, if there's an a customer on the phone, you kind of know because of prior experience, this is either going to go really well or this customer is about to fire us, right? It's like that pattern recognition kind of thing. We have um, strong uh, communication, soft skills. Um, and there, and I think this turned out to be very useful during the pandemic because we've been through crises before. We've got the ability to just kind of calm everything down and say, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to figure out a path forward. So those are some of the attributes of older workers. The Bs are really the benefits of intergenerational teams. And it's very similar, Sarah, to the benefits of other kind of diversity. So when you have people with different perspectives, what do we know? Better problem solving, more creativity. And the research has shown those kind of teams are more productive and important to the private sector, more profitable, right? So we've got that. And then the third, the C to me goes to customer insight, right? And customer connection. Um, And that's really important because of what you've said about the longevity economy, right? We know that 56 cents of every dollar spent in the U.S. is spent by people age 50 and over. So why do I get catalogs that only have pictures of women under 30, catalogs from companies from which I have bought uh, clothing, um, because they probably don't have the older consumer, the older women uh, kind of sitting at the design table, sitting at the marketing table saying, you know what, you'd be doing a lot better off if there were a variety of age diverse models. The example I like to use is I was at a longevity, uh, an in-person longevity economy summit uh, right before the pandemic. 
And they were doing, people were doing pitches, right? How do we pitch products that will appeal to the longevity economy? And this lovely person was pitching a product that basically you could put it in your refrigerator and it would kind of spy on what your parents were eating and whether they were taking their medicine. I immediately got my phone out, texted both my beautiful millennial daughters and said, if that thing ever ends up in my refrigerator, um, you are disinherited. If there had been someone age 50 or over in that either the design phase, the marketing phase, not that there's anything inherently problematic with the device, but you might have thought about it differently. You might have thought about the purpose of it differently. It might have been a reminder to me to do something, to say, make sure you have your five servings of fruit and vegetable. You know, pitch that way, I might do it. But, you know, oh, this is a great device to spy on your parents. (laughs) Uh, that's awful. (laughs) Right. Right. But that's how ageism. So when I talk about ageism, isn't just internalized among us, it's how embedded it is in society that people actually think this was okay. And that this product got it to itself to a pitch final, like it got approved along the way. You know, what's really interesting to me to think about, Janine, um, I agree with the, with with uh, what you're saying about the age of the pe- the women in the pictures in the catalog. So, until I don't even know how to ask this. Until each of us gets more sensitized uh, to the whole thing, to what extent do I buy that thing? Because maybe I also will look 32. Wow. Um. I guess I don't think about looking 32 very no, much. No, I don't either. But I mean, if, 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 no, I, don't, no, if I don't want to get, if I'm a woman and I don't want to get older, I don't want to look older, I'm buying all my anti-aging skin cream, I'm doing everything possible not to think about getting older, da, 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 da. then if I see these pictures in a catalog, am I more likely to buy that item than if there were yeah. a woman my age? Because I think maybe I can look like that. Well, I think um, so. I'm uh, obviously this is going to be audio when your listeners hear it, uh, but I'm looking at the two of us and I'm like, you know, we both look pretty good. Um, so I, you know, I have a hard time equating getting older with, you know, kind of looking, um, looking worse or that kind of thing. And I think that's kind of the messaging. There's another. There was another catalog company that I actually shouted out positively on social media um, a, a few weeks ago because their models um, and their it's a women's kind of work sportswear kind of company. But they had women of all ages, including women who was identifying as being in her sixties with gray hair. And you know, like any model, any models in catalogs, right? They've got the makeup, they've got the styling, and all of that. And she looked gorgeous, and I was like. This is what we need to see. So, um, so, but I, I think to your larger point, Sarah, it is important that we all look at ourselves and to what extent are we ageist ourselves? And we need, it, I really believe this um, change starts with us. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is from uh, civil rights leader, uh, Grace Lee Boggs, who said, we are the leaders we've been waiting for. Like, it, it's not going to be somebody else, right? It's got to be us. And, you know, people like you who are calling attention to important important issues through your website and demonstrating in a very powerful way that older women have clout, can do things, have experience, it's valuable. And let's get a whole bunch of older women on your website. And I think it's hire a glam photographer. No. Yeah. Well, there's, um, I don't know if you know, Stephanie O'Dell, 
but she has a um, company called Celebrate the Gray, and she has gorgeous models that she uh, makes available to uh, companies. I'm going to look for her. Yeah, look her up. It's it is fantastic. It is fantastic. maybe suggest her to some of these merchants that they include. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I know one of the other topics that you're interested in, and I am too, because we've all had our own experiences that we can talk about mm-hmm. with um, the effect of ageism as it operates for women in healthcare. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um, you know, it, what's really interesting to me, um, and I remember um, as a young woman, how we talked a lot about sexism in healthcare, right? And how it affected and how women's symptoms were ignored in all of this. And now being at an older stage of life, I'm like, okay, so now you're older in women. And so what we know about how ageism um, affects people um, trying to acquire healthcare Um, being, you know, a routine doctor's visit, um, that a number of things happen. We tend to, as we get older, be overdiagnosed or underdiagnosed. We are told things, and I was personally told this, oh, that's just because you're getting old. And I had to point out that, uh, no, there was absolutely something uh, wrong with my right knee. And I think it was because I had made a flying leap in one of my workshops and landed on my right knee. And sure enough, it was, but I had to push to get an MRI, right? Because people perceived I was then kind of 66 and it's because you're getting old. Um, I had cataract surgery last summer. And when I went in for the pre-op, I was filling out a questionnaire and the questionnaire the first question was, why do you want your eyesight? And of course, at the time I'm thinking, well, why does anybody want their eyesight, right? But then the choices were like shopping, playing golf. And I'm like, I look and I cross them all out and I'm like working, <laughs> like working wasn't an option. So there are just assumptions that are made. Um, I think uh, many of us who have maybe accompanied an older family member to a healthcare visit um, have seen um that older family member being talked over. So people are talking to us instead of talking to the patient. Um, There's this thing called elder speak where people start talking, Sarah, how are you today? And all of that. Hi, sweetie. Hi, sweetie. Oh, sweetie and honey, just stop. So we, you know, but again, I think, and one of the things we do at Changing the Narrative, we actually do a workshop on ageism and healthcare. We do a set for professionals and for aspiring professionals because we think that reaching students before they develop all of these bad ages attitudes is a really good idea. But we also do it for ourselves. Think of it as consciousness raising. Like, so what do I do? How do I speak up to the doctor when I go to the doctor's office and that kind of thing? So, um, yeah, we do workshops on that. We have a short film that people can download from our website. You can show it with your friends at a book club whatever. And uh, uh, so that people understand that this is something that we can and should advocate for, uh, because otherwise we know that it affects our health, right? We, right. if we don't get that quality health care. So, yeah, it affects the quality of our health care and it also affects um, our attitude toward aging, which we know now makes a significant difference, not only in our health, but in our longevity. Right. So it's no small thing. Yeah, Dr. Becca Levy's research, amazing. Yes. Um, uh, you know, on this. I mean, we're talking what's if we have a if we're able in the midst of the ageism that surrounds us to keep those age positive attitudes, right? Average longevity, seven and a half years. Yes. Likelihood of developing dementia 
reduces by almost half if we are able to cultivate positive views about our aging instead of those negative um, views that surround us. So lots of benefits, uh, but it, it can be hard to do. That's why we're both around. Yes, it is. It's, it is very hard to do because it is so ingrained. I think of that. Um, I'm sure you saw it, that picture uh, that went around on LinkedIn for a while about the, the young kids. They were like second, third grade who came to school dressed as old people. Oh, and the they, 100 days of school. Yeah. Yeah. And they had walkers and canes and were bent over. And so I thought, oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That right there. It's, it's, it's like birthday cards, right? It's another way that that imagery, that visual right. imagery of aging is all downhill. It gets reinforced again and again. So that's what we need to stand up and say, no, yeah. that's not it. And we don't want to see that. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to see that. And I think I think one of the quotes, simple and very hard to do things is for each of us to call each other on ageist remarks. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many times you hear people say, well, I was a senior moment. And I have started saying, to people, well, maybe, but, you know, 30 year olds forget things, too. So, um, Sarah, um, when I started uh, Change the Nerve in 2018 and I had, you know, kind of pivoted from a 30 year um, at the helm of a social sector consulting firm that I had founded. And so I heard my husband saying, oh, I'm having a senior moment. I'm like. I'm running an anti-ageism campaign. You cannot say I'm having a senior moment. But then I also had to remind him when we were in our 20s and first married, he forgot his car keys. Our two millennial daughters forget their car keys. It's a Vanderberg thing, right? It is not a senior moment thing. So it is a human thing. It's not it's even a, a Vanderberg thing. It is a human thing, right? So Janine, of all the things you've done, what is next? What have you still not done that is a dream that's hanging out there just waiting to be plucked? Women's rights. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm saying that somewhat ruefully, but um, I, so um, women's rights were, have always been a passion of mine, um, you know, since I was very young and something that I worked on, there was a time back in law school when I worked on the rights amendment and, you know, unfortunately in Virginia in, which was, you know, one of the states that did not unfortunately pass it. Um, I had started my consulting firm because I realized how hard it was for, uh, when I had my own daughter, who's now 34, uh, to both have the professional career and have flexibility and everything else and, and workplaces weren't accommodating. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own thing. And all of us who worked there were women. Uh, we had flexible schedules, part-time, all the things, right? So we created that. Um, what I am sad about is that that is still not the norm with all the changes in workplace with how hard women have fought. The fact that women, um, not only older women, but women of all ages ended up having to leave the workforce during the pandemic uh, is awful. So that's something that I, and I think that's actually my what's next from changing the narrative. It, and it's not giving up changing the narrative. I think it's aligned 
What I see in changing the narrative is what happens to so many women as they get older, once they're pushed out of the workplace, and it's really hard to get back in. And because of, you know, systemic sexism that has happened to us across the lifespan, you know, it's more likely uh, our savings are less, our 401ks are less, our social security is left, right? Because we've stepped out of the workplace to care for children, to care for older family members, and that kind of thing. So to me, so what's next for me, because I feel like we're going in a reversion of women's rights, is to um, to continue working on it and literally with older women joining forces in an intergenerational effort with younger women for whom, um, you know, child care um, has become such an issue again um, and join forces and do something there. So that's that's what's next for me. That's interesting. It's. Um, it's like, well, rather than letting, uh, I keep, keep saying society, but rather than letting society keep dividing us into generations, right. um, it's really a, a goal for the women's movement to, mm-hmm. to have a continuum of you go from here to here to here to here to here to here. These are the various things that happen to you along the way in a typical woman's lifetime. And we all need to be involved in all of it because we're all affected by it. Right. It's a very different view, isn't it? Interesting. And and I think it's an absolutely crucial one. And I think that's why efforts like yours, Sarah, are so important because they show that, you know, getting older is actually a thing to look forward to. And I think what happens, you know, younger women are like, I don't want to be there. So it starts cultivating ageist attitudes early. And I think what we can do as older women, because we do have, remember, we've got that experience and insight and pattern recognition. We've seen these things before. Um, I now have a seven month old grandson, my first grandchild that I absolutely adore, but watching my daughter have have to, who's got a very important job, watching her have to navigate going back to work, trying to figure out childcare, being, and she is relentless. So like she found a slot for Levi at childcare. Many women haven't been able to find. And I'm like, this is nuts, right? Like, so I, I, I really believe that this is something that older women and younger women can come together on and advocating, you know, for things like family leave, caregiver leave, and all of that kind of thing. So, so if, 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 for, if for no other reason, um, all of the things that happen to younger women in the workforce are going to affect the quality of their life as they get older. Mm-hmm. Yep. So You're exactly right. You're yep. exactly right. Okay, yeah. Janine, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing or get involved in whatever, what's the best way for them to contact you? Probably by email. So my email is Janine at Encore Roadmap, and that's J-A-N-I-N-E at EncoreRoadmap.com. Great. Thank you. Fabulous. That's our time today. Thank you so much. Sarah, thank you. And thanks for the work you're doing. What you're doing is truly changing the narrative. So appreciate your work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yours greatly also. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you again so much to my guest, Janine Vanderberg. And don't forget, you can find her at 
Janine, J-A-N-I-N-E, at EncoreRoadmap.com. Thank you for being with us. Please spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Prime Spark. With each episode, Sarah Hart brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes about remarkable, experienced women, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available at Spotify, Apple Podcast, and most other major podcast sites. The second women's revolution is here, and we hope that you use the insights you've gained here to fuel the spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.